You fill up my senses Like a night in a forest Like the mountains in springtime Like a walk in the rain Hello, welcome to the Corner to Three Movie Podcast for The Favorite. My name is Tom Chick, and I've brought along Christian Moliski. I would like to be known as Horatio, the fastest duck in the city. And with a favorite tagline, Kelly Wand. Other than that, pretty scenic horseback ride. <sighs> Kelly Wand, are there more favorite taglines, or do you just have the one that you prefer over and above the others? Yeah, okay, go ahead. Finally, a costume piece about British people. <laughs> <laughs> Dumb but true. All right, what else you got, Kelly Wand? So that's why their political party was called the Whigs. <laughs> getcha. Are there four favorite taglines or just three? I had a fourth, but I cut it because I didn't think it was as good as those. Oh, what would it have been if you had to cut it? Uh, it was my fourth favorite. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was on your top ten list at the number four spot, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, now we're just saying facts. Yeah. Well, Dingus, speaking of facts, just give them the basics about the favorite. Don't spoil any of the plot points, just the basics. Now we're just saying facts. <laughs> All right, this week we saw the favorite. A... Oh, you get a Gosling? The... Okay, go ahead. Just making sure I understand. I'm just pronouncing it the no way things. it's spelled, Kelly. What do you want me to say? Now we're just saying facts in Gosling's place. <laughs> All right. Hold on, I got to do this real quick because Kelly Wand, when I say can it cook a mushroom, I want you to say in Ben Foster's voice it should cook a mushroom. Can we do that again? Because I just had so much fun with that. Are you ready? I didn't see this movie, but okay. yeah, jerk. Here we go. Hold on. But well, then when I do see it, I'll go. Oh yeah, that's what's wrong. Can it cook a mushroom? That'll be fine. It should cook <laughs> a mushroom. <laughs> It's the very opening line of Leave No Trace, Kelly Wand. You can't miss it. All right, that was great. So I'm sorry. So Dingus, carry on with your facts. No, it wasn't. All right, this week we saw The Favorite, Mm -hmm. a 2018 co-production of Ireland, the United Kingdom, and the United States historical period comedy drama movie about how this mud stinks. It was directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. I said, yeah, yeah, Lanthimos. I don't know. I didn't know if you were doing something like if that, if that was his middle name or if, yeah, I wasn't sure. What no, that I was. just flubbed it. I thought he was agreeing with himself for getting the first <laughs> name right excitedly, and then he fucked it yep. up, kind of. But he didn't really. Both things are true. Just proud. I was agreeing with myself, and I fucked it up. Yep, Yorgo. <laughs> Yorgos Lanthimos. I just so I'm so pleased when I say the words Yorgos Lanthimos, and then I messed it up. Anyway, it was. It's it was directed by Yorgos Lanthimos and written by Deborah Davis and Tony McNamara. It stars Olivia Coleman, Rachel Weiss, Emma Stone, and Nicholas Holt. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. The Favorite is rated R for strong sexual content. Hmm. What's it rated in normal countries that are smart? Uh, oh, you'll you'll tell us that I'm sure, um, but in All in right. oh we're saying facts now in oh. abnormal countries it's rated R for strong sexual content, nudity, 
and language. Yeah. Tell me one, should anything be added to that list? Proper use of oranges. Um, <laughs> an adult reference. An adult reference, couple rape jokes, some monarchy. I give it a B plus. <laughs> well, unfortunately, uh, Cinema Score didn't pull the audience for this. It was too limited a release. So Kelly Wan, we'll just have to let your what? We'll have to let your B plus stand in for a Cinema Score rating. An audience would have given it a C, though. Uh, Why? Well, I'll tell you. Are they crazy? So on um, Rotten Tomatoes, they they. Uh, Give you the percentage. They would like it. They give you the percentage of professional reviews that are positive, and that is 94 on Rotten Tomatoes. But they let people on Rotten Tomatoes log in and give it their own rating. Just average Joes, just men and women off the street. Kelly Wan, salt of the earth, those kind of people. YouTube people. They let them rate these movies, and with critics, the favorite is at 90. Not us. The favorite is at 94. But with the audience award, that's people that log into Rotten Tomatoes and are like, I'm going to vote on this movie. It's only at 61%. So they're Really? They're so dumb. So therefore, we can, we can conclude that the kind of folks that would have been given a cinema score polling slip, they would have probably given it something low, like a C. You know what's funny? The, the Oscars ones are supposed to be out of touch, but I would kill to watch an audience awards. I think MTV, yeah, the dumb MTV shit. will do that for yeah. you, Kelly Wan. They they will meet your every need yeah. for that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, they're a music television with a movie awards. Yeah, uh, Metac that tells you right Metacritic, which is the average rating from various reviews, has no, it doesn't care one whit about the percentage of positive reviews. It just sort of wants to gauge the enthusiasm. It's at ninety, which is actually super high. Wow. Critics Critics – not only do a lot of critics like this movie, a lot of critics really like this movie a lot. So when it opened, it, it did not – it didn't have a wide release, but on its, on its opening weekend uh, of its widest release, which was just uh, – I'm looking here, like 700 theaters, here are the 10 movies that made more money than the favorite. <clears throat> here we go. Aquaman, Mary Poppins Returns, Bumblebee, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, The Mule, Dr. Seuss's The Grinch, Second Act, I don't even know what that is, Ralph Breaks the Internet, and oh, Welcome to Marwin, and then Rubbing Salt, oh. rubbing salt in the Wound, another period piece called Mary Queen of Scots, Beat the Favorite. That's just rude. That's a symptom of a problem that needs to be resolved. <laughs> Like a marketing thing? Because Emma Stone's a big star. Is um, yeah, I, I think so. Like, I don't know. Does she sell Rachel Weiss was in The Mummy. She's a blockbuster. No, people went to see that for – they saw that for Brandon Fraser, Kelly Wand. Oh, he's a huge star compared to Rachel <laughs> Well, Kelly Wand, enough of business, enough of facts. Let's now get into the realm of synopses by having you tell us everything that happened in the movie The Favorite as you saw it happen. <laughs> my point is i'm not that smart so it annoys me people are stupider than me like a lot of people like that's annoying it's annoying to live on that planet okay you want to hear an opposite i do you want to hear an opposite <laughs> i do yes <sighs> i'm sorry can you set me up again i was really thinking about people Kelly, Kelly Wand, this is a very intricate <laughs> historical movie there are a lot of events that were referenced some fictional, some true. I would like you to recount the events of the movie for me to help me understand it better by giving me a favoritopsis. I like it when you add letters. 
I also like it when you say things like historical. Some of it's historical. Some of it's true. Do you know of like there's two different? Oh things. right, sure, sure. Some of it's tragical comedy. Some of it's fiction. Yeah. All right. Wait, what were you going to say, Tom? I don't want to miss you. I was going to say a far better word than historical because I really enjoy saying this word. It's not as much fun to write it, but that is, that'll do in a bind. Uh, rather than calling something historical, reference it's because you sound smarter when you do this, Kelly Wand. If you're worried about appearing dumb, just talk like I'm about to teach you. Instead of saying yeah. historical, say regarding its historicity. Oh, yeah, historicity. Yeah, that's a fun word to say and write, and uh, it, it, people will do a double take when you say it. They're like, whoa, what did he just say? What is that word? Yeah. And it means what you're saying. Like, it, it had to be invented for movies. Right. Well, well not, guess, not, uh, not, it had to be invented. Fiction. I think it, it had to be invented for fiction, but fiction's a super new thing. Um, so that's interesting. So only. How old is fiction? Probably only like 3,000 years. I like to think it predates man and the, the dinosaurs – Lied to each other. <laughs> All right. What? Favor offices? Correct. I'm looking forward to this. Oh. Well, that's probably the wrong way to look at it. But all right. Here we go. Some maids take off Queen Anne's long white bath mat. She smirks at Rachel Weiss. How was my speech? Did I list? <laughs> wow. It's, it's a long one, too. <laughs> A little, try practicing in a mirror and say, Gamma! Go say hi to my buddies. No. Oh. Come on. No. Alright. Love has limits. I see how it is. Ugh. Some fancy letters are all the fave offices. There's a U after the O. So it's fave offices. For some reason, the queen leads Weiss blindfold through a tunnel before taking her into a bedroom through a secret door to show her something awesome. <laughs> oh, uh, when I asked you for a palace, I meant not a model that you carved out of soap. You're welcome. <laughs> Tis a monstrous extravagance, Lady Peck of Marlboros. We are, after all, at war. So, we won. <laughs> it just started five minutes ago. Oh, I did not know that. Fancy letters are all chapter one. Oh, there was a Queen Anne. Emma Stone rides in a stagecoach with a bunch of dipshits and their fat kids. The fat bearded man's expression is all, Emma Stone's in my lap, whatever. Gosling pulls up alongside another stagecoach, honks his horse angrily, and screeches off. Predictable. <laughs> I just got that. <laughs> That's great. Uh, totally stealing from the Blade Runner. <laughs> but yeah, it's weird they haven't been anything else since then. Like, fuck you. Like, they're actually honking. Really. Uh, Hi, I'm Emma Stone from Marmaduke, <laughs> Spider-Man 2, one with Electro. This is my British accent in this. Um... <laughs> By the way, your copy mug stinks. Shit in the streets around here. Call, call political commentary. Go in there and clean yourself up. Thanks. Dum de dum de dum. Oh, Lady Peck of Marlboros. <laughs> I didn't know the American British accents were allowed in here. Ha, you got me. Dear cousin, good news. I'm moving in. Yay. <laughs> Sorry I'm covered in shit. I fell out of a 
and a man was pulling his... Uh, then I got my head stuck in a horse's... Uh, and then a meteor landed between my... Rachel Weiss points at some bees. Friends of yours? Oh, sorry, I also got my head stuck in a... Wait, speaking of insects, here's a letter from my aunt. And you'll correct his name in this. Emma Stone? <laughs> Not the daughter of Lord Stone. Burned his house down with him in it and lost all his money at Coldcept. <sighs> no one bets on Coldcept. Well, it was the mid-1680s. I was hoping you guys could hire me. My skills include falling out of... I mean, getting my head stuck in... Maybe you could be a monster to make children cry! Yeah, if you like, I could do horror. <laughs> the nobleman fates from fear. Some rich-wigged extras hold a duck race, then get baked and eat a deer's head. One of them's Nicholas Holt, not the ducks. I guess his duck loses because he calls Weiss a cunt. Meanwhile, Emma Stone sleeps in a candle room packed with farting, coughing extras. The next day, the maids clean her up by making her stand in a barrel while they splash pails of urine on her. Someone hands her a key to the outhouse tied to a brick, which she mistakes for soap. Later, <laughs> Okay, I'm ready for the Russian ambassador. Who did you make up? You look like a badger. Oh, well, now you're going to cry. Oh, what do you have against badgers? Here. Now, what do you think you look like? <laughs> I'll take care of it. We'll just fill the room with badges. You'll fit right in. Now go to your room and stare into space. Alright. <laughs> Tanner Coleman, same thing. Extra! Did you just look at me? Look at me! How dare you look at me? I didn't say stop. How dare you? How dare you? Martian Sheen. Martian. Martian Sheen. You know. I gotta do a banker, I won't be able to do it, but that's, there's comes with a price. Martian Sheen looks over at me and goes, I still think I'm most people's favorite Uncle Ben. Meanwhile, in the kitchen. <laughs> How dare you. Fat kids all. Mrs. Garrett said she wants you to scrub the floor till you can see a toothless fat face in it. Oh, no problem. Hey, thanks yesterday for telling me the room with Rachel Weiss and it was a bathroom. <laughs> if you like me enough to prank me, I know you have my best interests at heart. Hmm, boiling green stuff, L-Y-E. Oh, must be Italian. Dum-de-dum-de-dum. Ow, oh, my head! Whoa, God, fuck, kill me. The fat maid giggles mockingly at Emma's disfigurement. Joaquin Phoenix runs in in a coonskin cap and goes, No, dummy, here! He tips the bucket over and burns his arm off. And soon everyone's in the room, screaming and dying from lying. Oh. Trying to get people to see it. <laughs> that upset Tom. <laughs> no, that was Dickens. I Tom. enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, 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 no, that did upset because Joaquin Phoenix and Dingus look kind of similar, so he could see himself doing that. Another fat lady in a bonnet comes in. You grab that early walker, the queen's having a chack of gout. Hurry! Emma goes up to her room with the queen screaming from some makeup she spilled on her leg. They feed the makeup some steaks. While she tells a story about spittle and pink shoes to Weiss. And then you went, hello, I'm Rachel Weiss. Mummy returns. By the way, you're covered in spittle. That's when I knew we'd be perfect together. Uh. Emma leaves and collects herbs while a guy on a horse in a fluffy shirt, not the horse, watches. Later, at the door to the queen's bedroom, 
Uh, hi, Emma Stone. Aloha. Um, doctor told me to bring these herbs. She's sleeping. Oh, yeah? Okay. Oh, you want me to tell the queen you ignored the ramifications of ignoring the physician's explicit instructions? Fizz explicit. It means she'll have you whipped. Emma puts herbs on the queen's leg. Weiss storms in. What are you doing? Oh, this is poison sumac. I thought it had... Butman, take her downstairs. Tell Mrs. Garrett she's to receive six with the birch. Oh, it's nothing. You don't need to pay me. Later. <laughs> hey, Rachel, thanks for this poison sumac. Oh, it hurts so much I can't even feel my gout pain anymore. Oh, really? Oh, be. All right, bring the ball not my kitchen. Don't want the pancakes tasting funny again. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know, I'm with you on that one. Lady Pekka Marlboro said, uh, six with birch for this, this ramifit. He tears Emma's dress off. Emma's all, oh, cool. Thanks, it was getting pretty stuffy in here with accents. They start whipping her. Ow, what the fuck? Oh, oh, oh a little harder. Oh. The fat man giggles mockingly at her. Weiss comes in. Stop, let it go. Come with me. Not you, Jira. I mean Emma. <laughs> let Emma go. Now I don't want the birch. Emma, good work with those herbs. You will get me more of them. No, not more birches. My father always said you were awesome. One time he lost me in a card game, took off into the maids with only a bottle and a dozen scullery woods for solace. I guess that's not really an example of you being awesome. I liked your father, especially just now, after hearing that tale. <laughs> the debt was to a thin German man with a cock-shaped balloon. Thankfully, I managed to convince him a woman has blood 28 days out of the month. Weiss promotes Emma to ocean mistress. <laughs> Emma gets her own room. <laughs> Just wait, it gets good occasionally. Uh, Emma gets her own room, although it kind of still looks cold. Chapter 2, a line of dialogue one of the characters will say so. <laughs> Yes, Mrs. Cloppy, you may have the tapestry budget you asked for, but not a whole lolly gag more, or I'll have your Salisbury tallyhoed. Oh, Lord Passwater, would you like to have a bite of my new maid? Bye later at a sofa room. Nicholas Holtz all. Must the duck be here? <laughs> Best is duck and chipper dick. Keep him away from me, or I shall eat his liver with some nosegays. <laughs> Speaking of, where is the queen? Don't worry, I'm here. Rachel Weiss. The rich man's Helena Bonham. <laughs> the queen told me to tell you both that Nicholas Holt smells like a 96 Pratt's for Juju. How dare you? 96? <laughs> We're going to pay for the war by doubling the beauty mark tax. Here, her letter. Is there cake? <laughs> Emma walks over to a nearby cake and stares at it. <laughs> Holt's all, I witness you. <laughs> <laughs> I almost want to switch those characters in those movies. He kicks over a vase of quarters, stares at Rachel till the duck quacks, and then storms out. Lady Peck of Marlboro's go gently with men. They're dumb. Emma gets bored and reads a book in a library. Borrow any you want! Emma farts startled and drops the book into the fire. Don't worry, I'll have a thing for the week. Emma's all, oh, you're going somewhere for seven days? Rachel's husband comes in and goes... Thanks for sending me to war. 
Now remember, don't be smart, be foolish. I came to tell you I'd rather sleep with my men. He kisses her head and leaves. Later. <coughs> oh, sorry your majesty, think I gotta chill getting those herbs for your leg. It's nothing. <coughs> oh. Later at a shooting range. Oh, you're really doing damage against the sky. The fat maid giggles mockingly at Eva. Lady Paco Barbaros, aren't you afraid your husband's gonna die? You sacrificed your cunt to the German balloon cock. It's exactly the same. Now relax your aim. Think of Gosling and Gangster Squad. And throw! Blam. Emma misses the pigeon, but it has a heart attack laughing at how bad her aim is and hits the ground. Oh, we'll make a killer of you yet. Trust me. My last name is almost wise. Later. Are you following me? You're following me. Perhaps I should have you stripped and whipped. I'm waiting. Gonna ride that one, are we? She does make my wig powder itch. Later, everybody stands in rows and watches Weiss and Holt do dance moves from a racer head. <laughs> till the queen gets bored and goes, Hey, sitting in wheelchairs with scabby legs, that's what's cool. Lord Holt, whatever you said, I now like. Fuck you, Rachel. <laughs> Rachel wheels her around in the dark, then apologizes to the queen for the queen slapping her. <laughs> that night, Emma reads books in the dark, then hears Rachel and the queen come in giggling. Emma watches the party till it gets gross and starts to tiptoe away. <laughs> On her way down some stairs, <gasps> Lord Holt, still in a book, I see. No. Shall we go ask the queen? Ew, no. Come and take the night air with me. Ah, so you were once a lady and are now a bunch of scullery scraps, are you not? I'm the scullery scraps in my heart I always was. So you want to fuck me? I'll leave that to my friend Lord Gary. Absolutely cuntstruck. But you cannot have too many fingers up your ass, Emma. I would like to know any plans they have. Uh, the Queen and Weiss, not the fingers. <laughs> I will not betray my lady's trust. Oh, look, a wren. How cute. <laughs> Really? What's a rat? What? <laughs> Not again! <laughs> See? Friendship! Later! The fat maid giggles mockingly at her. I look over at Salieri sitting beside me and go, Where's was that hillside? Later. <laughs> no, no hot chocolate for the queen! Fuck you, give me it! <laughs> Don't give it to her. <laughs> I'm all, uh... Fine, then you can get a broom and a mop for the aftermath. Emma tries to balance the cup while she picks up a broom and mop. There's more jokes of the movie. Later, Rachel shoots the arm off a suit of armor on some grass. The guy inside the armor is all, Ugh! Rachel, I... Oh, excuse me, this is Emma speaking. Forgive me. Rachel, I must tell you something. Nicholas Holt told me to tell you if you tell him, Queen something. I mean, oh, I see. What will you do? Miss Weiss... I'm a station of honor, even if my person is not. I was all, fuck you, dude, and I shoved him down the hillside into some mud. Oh, yeah, I also said something about a, a, a wren. But don't worry, I know all your secrets, especially your biggest one. The queen's vagina. Rachel shoots her in the chest. The fat man giggles. JK, I was shooting blanks, but an accident might happen. Do we understand each other? Yeah. Good one, Jesus. Later. <laughs> This is Tedapov. This cream bill is outrageous. Are you bathing in it to help your hemorrhoids? 
My lady, it's barely helping at all. I might just go back to Dodo's blood. Rachel, uh, the Queen's trying to throw herself out a window again. Uh... <sighs> she sure is ambulatory when the plot calls for it. <laughs> Rachel goes and talks the Queen off the ledge by offering to play cards with her. But since it was only a small window, she makes Emma go play cards with her in her stead. Hello, guys, Rachel. Could someone cut my leg off, please? Uh, why are you here? Oh, Rachel sent me to play cards with you. Uh, her maid? Uh, you were a lame Hermione. Your Majesty, I am fun. I speak pig Latin. Um, I wrote a play about Paris. Oh, wow. <laughs> hey! Bunnies! I was a house one. Yeah, I named all 17 of them after my 17 miscarriages. It's uh, my cute way of enhancing the pain. Uh, care to join me? <laughs> they spend the day trying to feed rabbits cake. <laughs> Some fancy letters are all past the Duchess on the left-hand side. Later, after Holt's buddy staggers out of Emma's bedroom. Bro, how'd it go? <laughs> um, so she wasn't into the gray frilly wig... <laughs> Or kabuki clown makeup. <laughs> might have whiffed on those. I thought it'd be cool. Um, I listened to you. And then she asked if I was there to rape her. And then she put on the wig and bit me. Holt's all B plus. <laughs> Next. <laughs> See what I did? <laughs> Next day, they make the queen wear some minus one leather armor. <laughs> Later on horseback. Hey, sorry about making you play cards with Emma Stone. <laughs> ah Come on, don't ride faster. Oh, you're being child. Later, Emma pushes the Queen's wheelchair through some hallways. <laughs> I guess the lame part was all the rapes. I was all, huh? What? You're a dear person, Emma. I loved your work in Passengers. Oh, Queen. You're so hot. Ah. Stop it. You mock me. No, really. Gout thighs? <laughs> if I were a man, I'd ravish you. Hey, look, some kids playing violins on the lawn. Stop. Enough. Be gone. Kids, fuck off. I command it. Kid violinist. Go back to the 1470s. Bitches. The queen stumbles around, hassles someone's baby, yells at a footman, then sobs because more violins are playing on the soundtrack. To celebrate a successful child violinist heckling, the queen lies in bed farting. Emma's all, hey, who wants to dance? There we are. Off with her head. Off with her head. They dance to the music of Rachel shooting birds outside. <laughs> Later, while Emma points a gun at Rachel, Rachel's all, Hey, sorry about making you hang out with the Queen. She's a bit much. Casting director mixed up with Olivia Wilde. <laughs> now, she's great. We have real chemistry. Me and her. Oh, well, don't worry. I shan't burden you again. Oh, it's really no bother at all unless you're the rabbits. Throw. Emma shoots Rachel in the face with a blood squib. A footman trots up. Oh, the queen, eh? I'll be there directly. Uh, she, she asked for her... Hermione? Rachel storms into the queen's bedroom. 
Hey, check it out, lobsters. I thought we could eat them and race them. See, I made him a racetrack. And then uh, an eating track. <laughs> Rachel straggles her. You want any hall with Emma, do you? <laughs> <laughs> that night, Emma smirks and carries a tray of glasses of wine around in the dark. Holtz all, gotcha! Makes it drop them. The fat maid snickers mockingly. So, the queen raised lobsters and then ate both of them since it was a tie. Do you want to get punched? <laughs> the queen wants to raise the beauty mark taxes. And? I'm trying my best. All right, turn off the tears. Have a pleasant evening. As he walks off, Emma's expression's all warm bodies. The next day in court. And the farmer says, how come that pig's got a wooden leg? Uh, speaking of scrolls I'm about to read from... Hey, let's all hear it for the Queen, and her about to be proclaimed, read my lips, no new beauty mark taxes. Hip, hip! Uh, eventually sits down. The Queen's all... <gasps> she looks at her speech, thinks for a second, then snaps her fingers inspired. She falls over. It's a tough one. Later... Bro, how'd it go? Uh, okay, um, so she's reading a book in the woods. Um, so I did some uh, bird calls and interrupted her reading, and then I jumped out at her with a, with a stick and I screamed at her, screamed in her face, and then she slapped me and ran away. And then I tried to jump on her repeatedly, but those waves are fucking slippery. Um, so she slapped me a few times and need me in the junk, and uh, I guess we're getting married. <laughs> B plus. <laughs> Later, let my speech go over. I improvised the falling over. Did you see that? Don't be silly. No one but I thinks you're fat and ugly, and I wouldn't dare. Best speech ever. Later, Emma, what are you doing naked and listening in my bed sheets? Ugh. Oh, Your Majesty, humblest apologies. Some wolves lowered my neckline here, so I find wolf attacks boring, so I fell asleep. Here, I'll just get out. Oh, I'm naked. Oh, oops. Here, I'll just bend over and put on my nightgown. Oh, it's so sheer. Okay, I'm going. Seriously. Hang on, I just gotta wet my hair a bit. Ah, a little honey in my piff poof. Okay. Oh, guess it's already wet. Okay, bye. Sleep well. You need anything? I'm just a finger away. I mean, if you want your bell rung, feel free to call out my name. I'll come by later if you lust. I mean, must. Want anything pink and tasty? I mean, I'm bi. I mean, bi! <laughs> Mr. Roper leads over to me and goes, I don't get it. <laughs> that was me as a kid. Uh, watching these. Oh, it's where Mr. Roper stares at things. That night, the queen summons her to get in bed with her and rub her legs. Judging from the queen's moans, her legs sure hurt. <laughs> Rachel walks in later to find Emma topless in the Queen's sleeping arms. No threesomes, that's why it's called the favorite. The next day, Emma, dearest, have you seen my copy of the Fountain comic book? Oh. Ow, these are hardbacks. What the... The fat maid giggles mockingly. You're dismissed from my service. Tell the scholar maid you're a disloyal little bitch. If you don't go, I'll start kicking you and never stop. Emma goes downstairs and tries to open a book with her face, but fails. <laughs> Later, walking towards the stagecoach. By the way, I dismissed Superbad. She was caught trying to steal Lie again. 
Oh, uh, hey, Emma. Yeah, that's a no-go. I like it when she gets her tongue stuck inside me. And I loved her in Aquaman, as Amber heard. <laughs> the queen gets in a stagecoach. Emma sticks her tongue out at Rachel. It's got the queen's pubes on it. The fat maid giggles mockingly. <clears throat> the stagecoach horses prance cinematically, and this coach drives them around a long, slow circle, and then lets them out at the front door of the palace a few feet away. Some fancy letters are all ram ram Later. Hey, Emma! 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 What if I fall asleep in the tub here and drown? Just pretend it's hot chocolate. Oh, Emma, you really get me. Rachel comes in in a sexy bathrobe. Hello, girls. After you left Emma, I thought I'd get in the mud and get my poisons out. Oh, Emma, be a dear and go fetch my barrettes. Uh, I'd like to, but I'm on queen duty. Rachel, don't scratch at her. Rachel draws a mustache on her face with mud and goes, Mr. Morley! The queen's all, oh, I love this game. <laughs> Mr. Peck Marlboro's. Emma, check it out. Rachel drew glasses and mustache mud on herself. Oh, isn't she great? <laughs> Emma's face is all, fuck. Mud mustaches. Why didn't I think of that? Oh, the fat gay maid giggles mockingly. The fat gay giggles cockingly. <laughs> The way home of the stagecoach is the queen sleeps on Rachel's boobs. Rachel looks at Emma and mouths, Your bill will be back in the circus. Emma stares at her, then us. Later in the usual hallway. Oh, queen, remember we hooked up with those yellow snowmen in Lord Riceboro's at a tavern? Ha! That sounds awesome, guys. I'll just walk a few paces behind you. No worries. What was that, Emma? You mumbled something. Uh, I was singing. Yeah, that's it. I knocked a tune out of my head. Boop. Well, there's so much room for it. Ha, Rachel. You're such a wit. <sighs> so, Queen, should I moisten the linens? Oh, you and I could go drink sherry. Oh, sherry, yeah. Boy, dear Emma. The fat man giggles mockingly. Beside me, Henry Cavill leans over to Tom Cruise and goes, Ugh, women. Bicker, bicker, bicker. <laughs> I know, right? Audit your thetans already. <laughs> Later, while her boyfriend smokes weed, Emma's all, when I'm on the street, sell my asshole to syphilitic cigarettes. It won't be for Wittershins, so <laughs> don't even. Her boyfriend smokes and goes, I like your knobs. Emma's all, shh. Later. Oh, Queen, your hair's so lustrous. It's all people in court talk about. I thought it was more nest-like. Nest of hotness. Oh, hey, it's Rachel. Yay. I'll make your tea. Hey, Rachel. In town, that one-eyed man stared at me again. Thanks, Emma. Hey, Emma, you think we should go to war with France? Don't ask her. She's a fucking idiot. Mm, this tea. Bye. While the guys throw rotten oranges at a fat, naked, hairy man, <laughs> Rachel rides her horse, then remembers how fat the man was and starts vomiting. She falls off her horse. The horse is all, huh? Oh, I know what she wants. He gets... I'm loyal to my uh, friend and owner. The horse gallops back and forth across the forest all day, dragging Rachel over rocks and grass, and it's shit and thistles. Troll horse. <laughs> Rachel's all, ow, 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 ow.
Rachel wakes up in a barn with a bed in it and two fat people having sex against a wall. Oh, where am I? A girl's all, don't have the skull over there, you'll meet him later. But it turns out the girl's just confused. Meanwhile, Your Highness, we've lost contact with our troops. Uh, they might have gotten France mixed up with Norway. <laughs> He's just being paranoid, Your Highness. A dead army is easier to feed. Emma's all, hey, I had a cool thought. Uh, isn't war kind of like coming late to a party? I mean, if you show up at all, like, that's RSVPing. Emma, you're a genius. Guys, you heard her. Order 10,000 party favors and send them to France. <laughs> and make sure favors has a U in it. <laughs> but your highness... Now you're talking, your highness. Emma, you are now Chancellor Admiral of the Royal Navy. <laughs> that night in bed while Rachel puts dirty underwear on the queen's head. Emma, where's Rachel? Everybody hates me. I'm worried she's dead. I'm going to cut her throat. By the way, I'm marrying you to that guy who trips over leaves. <laughs> oh, cool. Because I told Holt to tell you to. I mean, me. Huh. Okay. Oh, your first thought was for the leaves. Such a saint. Later. I, Emma Stone, take character to be my lawful wedded <laughs> wife. And I, Emma Stone, the priest is all close enough. The congregation cheers that night. God, I hate Rachel so much. Fuck. Uh, yeah, that's great, honey, that you're make, talking about your girlfriends at court. Um, but it's our wedding night, and I'm hard as a rock over here. Here, lie still. I uh, wonder if Rachel's alive or dead. I hope she doesn't jump behind out a tree at me. Uh, you're not touching me, but keep talking about hating Rachel. Oh, it's so hot. Oh, wait, do the mud mustache again. Oh. <laughs> Later in the music room, while a piano forte plays. Music! Music! Oh, Rachel! Hey, girl! Looking smudged! By the way, I got hitched. Suck it. Everybody leave! Emma, no offense. I'll pass on tea if you're offering! Rachel, I searched my heart, and it told me not to get screwed by you. But it's cool. I won. Fuck you. So please forgive. Rachel slaps her a few times. The fat maid giggles. Emma's all. <laughs> Tough room. Obviously, someone has some anger to expiate. The footman's all. XP all out this once. Congrats on your wedded bliss! Emma's all. <laughs> that night in bed. Rachel! Oh, you're alive. Oh, that scar's not that noticeable with my eyes closed. You have to dump Emma. She's a viper. I like snakes' tongues, too. Hey, your highness, good news. We won the war. Uh, almost, I think. Also, um, something garrison? Okay, bye. Rachel tries to jump into the queen's bed, but misses. The next morning... <laughs> hey, look, I found a bunch of your old letters. Dear Rachel, that was so awesome today in the tub when we pretended we had mustaches. Imagine if Jonathan Swift got a hold of these. You wouldn't. Race and eat the tax. Mary Emma Stone. Kill Gerard. I mean... Rachel gets confused and accidentally burns the letters. Ms. Weiss, uh, the Queen asked that you leave the palace, return your parking pass, and leave the palace again. <laughs> to make her scar less noticeable, Rachel wears a burqa. <laughs> Queen, hey! Could you open the door? No. I burned the letters. Ah, fuck you then. All right, I'm leaving. Boy, by the way, Emma sucks. Emma says my hair's awesome. You look like a badger. I'm only being honest. That's what badgers do. <laughs> Whatever. The next day... 
And our new court jester will be, he's already standing, Nicholas Holt. Uh. Parliament Salt. Oh, uh, yeah. Frazier was also beast. Maybe Holt could be new. <laughs> Later, some movers and wigs pick up the giggling fat maid. Leave that. I like it. Oh, my God. You actually think you've won. Haven't I? There's another 20 minutes of movie to go. I have lots of time. Ha! Oh. Couple months pass by. Bro, how's it going? <laughs> uh, okay. Um, she sat at a long banquet table, like far from me, uh, while a pyromancer <laughs> lit farts. And then she squealed, "Do it again!" And then she sat in another guy's lap and gave him a handy while I drank from a goblet and I looked on glumly. <laughs> B plus. <laughs> 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 I'd be that the B-plus character. That night, the queen stares at her foot with a magnifying glass. She rings a bell engraved Emma with Rachel scratched out. Emma comes in drunk. What? Will you do my legs, please? Yeah, one sec. She throws up in a vase. The fat maid pops her head out of the vase and giggles. I don't understand these papers. What's this word? Gavel? Kind? (laughs) Emma staggers and falls into the fireplace. Later... Now that peace has been made, Emma suggested that I tell you we should kill Rachel's husband. He won the only off-screen battle in the movie. Baby. What? Nothing, Your Highness. A new day. Metaphors abound. Speaking of, any mail today? Hey, Queen, uh, I did some creative bookkeeping while I was drinking last night. Looks like Rachel was stealing from you. Yeah, right. You know what? Numbers. I'm dumb. Sorry. Emma gets a letter from Rachel saying, J.K., let's be friends. But she accidentally misplaces it in the fire. Some horses show up at Rachel's porch to help her move. Later, in the chair room, Emma almost trips over a rabbit. I didn't understand the last half hour. (laughs) I think that's the implication. The queen, worried for Emma's safety, comes out and goes, Hey, rub my legs. That'll help you keep your balance. Emma smiles and rubs the queen's legs, her expression cheerful at how awesome her life is. Then it's implied that the rabbits eat her. (laughs) (laughs) That seemed a little lynching. And knocked it down to fourth favor. Thank you, Kelly Wand. Uh, sorry so long. It's such a dense movie, To, I need to get the plot points and the opposite so you'll really be confused. Well, you loved it. It was your fourth this. favorite movie of last year, so uh, tell us a little bit more about why it's your fourth favorite. What's a movie that's better than the favorite and a movie that's not quite as good? Uh, well, I loved really everything about it, but I like movies about women fighting, I've decided, <laughs> when it's really well written, when like women write it. Like Big Little Lies, I like that kind of thing. Um, it's one of my favorite genres. And men are just ancillary or whatever that word is. Wow. <laughs> it's a hard word. Ancillary. Ancillary. Uh, over his brides. Ancillary, yeah. See, I was fucking up the vowel. That's the dumb part. Uh, my over his bridesmaids, and my under is the layover. That movie ah, you told me about. Hey, very good, Kelly. Kate up to Alexander Daria. But yeah, women characters are... And uh, uh, the woman who wrote this wrote it like 20 years ago, so it's like sort of a persistence. Ah. So it took her 20 years to make this, but look what she get. And so it, I'm so glad it finally came out. I'm so glad it was a movie. Like it, I'd see it on 
I might not have seen it on Netflix, so mm-hmm. I'm surprised it's not getting a wider release. I think people would like it. It's uh, it's great. Okay. It's funny as shit. The dialogue is amazing. Dingus Kelly, B plus. Kelly did a great thing with the uh, theming for his over under. What do you have for your over under? Uh, and what did you think of this? You've seen it at least twice because I know you saw it when it was a theatrical release, like a over a month or so ago. Right. Yeah, I went to see it at the movie theater. And I talked about it as what have you seen this week during our three by three. Yeah, I remember. Uh, in order to try to get you guys to see it, to sort of nudge you in that direction. Um, I liked how you did it because you didn't spoil anything. Uh, I, I did spoil one thing, which one of our listeners uh, called me out for. Um, I feel a little bad for that, but not overly bad. But I did, did spoil. You, I think I just zone out when you say stuff. About me. Well, that's normal. Yeah, most people do. Yeah. But only only on that topic. But how was how was the repeat value? Well, wait, uh, real quick. What did, what did you spoil? I don't remember uh, anything okay. being spoiled for me. Um, I I called out the the weird uh, dance sequence. Oh yeah, yeah. But you remember. were so elliptical about it, right? I didn't even, <laughs> yeah, you didn't say why it was right. Weird. Even as I was watching it, I didn't. It didn't occur to me. Yeah, right. Okay. It's great. That's but for but for some people, that's that's kind of the moment in the movie where you realize, oh wait, we're in a different universe here, kind of. Um, the which it was, it was at the time. It's probably how when, the, when the when the dance goes kind of weird and and it's, it's and, gr- and their faces are great. And and the and I I did lean over when we were watching the movie. I leaned over to my girlfriend who had just taken me to see it out of the blue and said, are are these real dance moves from this time? And she said, no, there are no lifts at this time, for instance, and that's totally weird. Uh, I think that this is um, the filmmaker signaling, uh, this is not exactly what you think it's going to be. Um, And I mean, there are other cues earlier on, but for slow people like me, that's that's a real big cue, and I really liked that a lot. Um, uh, you asked what the replay value is for me. It's it was huge. It's it's a f- much funnier movie for me the second time around. Um, so anyway, uh, I'll, we'll get to that. The the over I would put Marie Antoinette, which is a movie I absolutely love. Uh, I I really really like the idea of taking a historical drama and doing something a little weird with it. Um. Uh, kind of going outside the bounds of what you normally would do with with a historical drama or comedy drama, whatever. Uh, so the, uh, the Sofia Coppola Marie Antoinette is a movie I I absolutely adore, uh, even though it's it's difficult to to take. Um, under it, this is going to sound weird, um, but it's a different kind of historical drama. Uh, I really liked Saving Mr. Banks, but it takes itself too seriously. And one of the things <laughs> I know, one of the things I like about this movie is I, I, I feel like it takes itself just seriously enough um, to get across some of the political ideas that I think that it's getting across. So now on to you, Tom. Uh, so I, so Dingus, you talk about this uh, signaling with the dance scene that we're going to be in a different kind of a, a reality or a different universe, a different perspective on history. And I actually, I mean, I really liked this. I, I, I think Yorgos Lanthimos is a tremendous director. I loved the cast. I love the production values. Um, but I, to the contrary, Dingus, am a little disappointed that it didn't take me into a different universe and that ultimately mm. it was – a pretty standard historical drama with some license taken, with some modernization to it. But 
the universe I really wanted to go to was the one that Yorgos Lanthimos had done in The Lobster and Killing of a Sacred Deer. And I thought there was pretty much no sign of that here. And that's that's on me. He obviously wasn't trying to do movies like that. But as it was going on, I kept waiting for him to transition into something like that. And then he never really did. And so what I'm going to do is just talk about other historical dramas that I really like and where this fits in with, with those. I'm not as crazy about Marie Antoinette, but I really respect what Sofia Coppola is trying to do with it. And I like how bold it is with the the occasional modern liberties that she takes. So uh, this I would put over that because this is way more bold, I think, than, than Marie Antoinette. Um, however, I don't think this is as bold as the oddly – so so Wolf Hall, I'm going to kind of cheat. It's a it's a it's a mini series. So it's basically a long movie starring Mark, Mark Rylance as Thomas Cromwell. Uh, and it's about the reign of, of Henry VIII and Thomas Cromwell, uh, his political maneuvering over Henry VIII's reign. Uh, and I think it's a spectacular piece of work for how subtle and understated it is. Uh, for its production value, which is historical to a fault. They do things in Wolf Hall that look ridiculous and that you would never see on other PBS shows because people have preconceptions about what it was like back then. For instance, eating with their hands. I mean, that looks silly to have these people talking about political machinations and then dipping their fingers into a bowl of salad or whatever. Uh, but, but they did that because based on research, they wanted it to to be true to to what we know historically about that period, uh, and it's really disarming to see some of this stuff in that. So I really like this. A little disappointed that it wasn't another lobster or killing of a sacred deer, but not quite as good as Wolf Hall. Better than Marie Antoinette is what I would where I would put it. I didn't read Wolf or I didn't see Wolf Hall because I have the book and I'm waiting. It's a trilogy, and the second one's called Bring Up the Bodies, and I'm waiting for the third book to come out. So now I. Have I, I can't imagine that the book in the, the 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 movie. I even called it a movie. Uh, the miniseries is so based on the actors really playing with the subtle cues. Uh, like the the miniseries, the quality of it is just stuff that a book simply can't do. Uh, so I, I would encourage. You know, don't feel like you need to wait for. Books can do stuff that. Well, sure, of course, but man, I, vice versa. And what I'm saying is that the strength of Wolf, Wolf Hall is in the stuff that books can't do. Uh, I used to brook when you would do, like, I'm going to choose a television show instead of a movie for this. But um, I think that more and more, uh, the way that uh, television series are released uh, on Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever, they feel more like movies. I mean, I felt like when I watched all of The Night Manager, uh, I felt like I watched... A super long movie, and it was it was as satisfying to me as a movie. It, it didn't feel like I had watched a, a television series. It felt like I had watched a movie. And what, so, you I know, think you those have, are you have to think. For I that. think those are blurred. And, who and do what I have you to think? Oh yeah, who do you, who does he have to thank, Kelly Wand? David Lynch, because his Twin Peaks was the first <laughs> well, TV series to look. Okay, like you know what? That's a fair point because to get to that Kelly Wan and, and exactly what Ding- and now everything does exactly what Dingus is expressing is television shows that are their series that are serial uh, are more willing to give a single director, a single perspective, a, a unique voice or vision entirely to give the series entirely to that person. I think of Night Manager as a Suzanne Beer movie and not a, a, a miniseries necessarily. Right. It's just Suzanne Beer doing a long movie with a tremendous cast, a solid script. Uh, uh, 
Wolf Hall's a fellow named Peter Kaminsky. Um, I, I think when you see a series and when you see uh, Jean-Marc Vallée's uh, Sharp Objects, that's a movie to me because it's, it's so Jean-Marc Vallée. When you see one director credited with all of the episodes directing, then that means he, was, he or she was there and put his or her creative vision into it in the same way that they would a movie. So, uh, so yeah, Dingus, I, you're right. The lines are getting increasingly blurred because I think uh, the people who are responsible for TV are willing to hand over the the you know they're willing to let the talent speak for itself uh, with with directors. Well, and they want money too. I mean, they want to be they want to they have they know they have to give it better quality. It's just well, I think we first uh, as a podcast really faced that with True Detective. With uh, um, is it Carrie Fukunaga? Yep, that? that was a Carrie Fukunaga yeah. movie. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's the only one we've done. So, but I felt weird doing it. It did feel weird, that. but I think that those lines are being episode. blurred. Um, you know, you know. Right, but we haven't done it since either. Yeah, true, true. Um, but nevertheless, uh, especially the way BBC does these yeah, things, like uh, I, I don't know, Killing Eve or. Um, I don't. I can't think of something else off the top of my head. But uh, Riding, what was that Red Riding Hood series about the uh, the three different uh, periods in the murder investigation? Red Riding Hood. Is it that might have it been called? just Red Riding. Red Riding. I think you're right, Dingus. Yeah, that's that's the same thing as well. That was like a BBC. It was very much like three different movies. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So the flip side is, I see these. I mean, Wolf Hall's not an example of it, but like American stuff, like it looks really good. But it goes on too long, like that Haunting of Hill stuff, like those things that are like 12 episodes, right. and it would have been better at six. And you know what? Haunting of Hill, so you get- Haunting of Hill House is a perfect example, Kelly Wan, because I don't think – I think Mike Flanagan is a relatively weak director. Like he's got – I, I don't uh, think he's got good instincts, and I think he's been doing some terrible movies, and Haunting of Hill House is just him being indulged for whatever it is, 12 hours. Vanity piece. Yeah. So, would you put? Um, you, you've mentioned a couple times, Tom, and I don't. I have, still haven't watched, and I keep meaning to. Is this show called Fortitude? I think you mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. Would oh, you yeah. put that I in that? First, would you slot yeah. that in the same? I would. The problem with Fortitude, though, I mean, the first season of Fortitude is an ingenious uh, genre melting pot, and they're all genres that I love, like crime, gothic, Nordic. Uh, uh, horror, uh, science fiction, like it, there's crazy stuff that comes together <coughs> in Fortitude. And if you look at the the guy who started, oh shoot, what was his name? But at any rate, the guy who put Fortitude together has done a lot of British TV, and some of it is terrible. <laughs> so I think he got super lucky with this one season. And the problem with Fortitude is, as it's gotten a second season, and it's in the middle of a third season right now, it's just fallen apart and gotten horrible. Mm. Which is what Kelly Wan is talking about. Or, you know, if you if you do something to just draw it out because it's successful, to just serve up something that lost, people want, too. lost exactly, uh, you're invariably going to betray the creative Galactica. You're going to invariably betray the creative vision of of what you're creating. So Fortitude. It's just one season, and it's very much like that. Fortitude is a really weird, beautiful, moving movie about one character's arc. Like you watch the first season of Fortitude, and I love having this conversation with people. I think it's about one character going from point A to point B, and everything falls into place around that. But then as it goes on in the next season, this character ends up being like a – it just gets ridiculous uh, as as it goes on because what was envisioned as this gothic story about this one man's uh, revelation – 
has to be drawn out. Like they, they told the story. It's, it's like with Fleabag. Fleabag and, and uh, even in, into the fucking world. Into the fucking world is yeah. a one season. It has an ending. It has a very definite ending. And I would hate for the woman who wrote that to be pressed into writing a second season because there's no reason for that. Let her tell a different story. That yeah. story was completely and, and self-containedly told. And it was a wonderful, intricate, beautiful thing. Uh, Big Little Lies, too. Like, I don't want to see it. <laughs> It's All right, up. you know what, Kelly Wand? So Big Little Lies, is that the Nicole Kidman thing? <clears throat> yeah, but I read the book. Do you know who the oh. people – so I talk about these series being the creative works of one person. Do you know who the two people are behind Big Little Lies? Because I just found this out, and I'm kicking myself for having not seen it yet. No. So I don't, it, but the book was amazing. It's a it's it's, it's John story. it's John Mark of L.A. who I I think Sharp Objects is a, a brilliant, beautiful movie that just happens to be divided into episodes. But I loved Wild, um, and it's oh yeah, I watched that this week. And it's a it's, it's a woman named Andrea Arnold. Is that ringing any bells for you? Because she's Holy not cow. as prolific yeah, as she should yeah, be. Yeah. Andrea Arnold is uh, Big Little Lies. It's her and John Mark of L.A. Each, they're responsible for the entire run. It's, I don't think they wrote it and then gave it over to other directors. So Andrea Arnold, the fish tank woman, is Big Little Lies, and, and Jean-Marc Vallée, uh, the sharp objects, uh, and wild fella, they, they did that together. So I, I can't believe I hadn't seen that. And it's because, Kelly Wand, I've confused it with Pretty Little Liars. It's right, like right. I think I did yeah. too, and then so. – yeah, and the book is so fun. So at well, any rate, let's, I, I let's, like that you use oh. the. I'm sorry. No, I no, like go ahead. You use the word serial because, um, because certain novels, especially one of Kelly's favorite writers, Charles Dickens. Um, oh my god! There, so they were serial. There were serialized works that were put together into a novel, yeah. and then they he'd react audiences. Um, okay, so months. why shouldn't we think of a television series that's serialized being put together as a movie i mean i th- i think that's a weird prejudice we used to have that's changing now and I, which i really appreciate because i like that story construct i mean i i right. really do love the the different ways i mean the the night manager knocked my socks off and i even liked the jack ryan series um more than i like some of the jack ryan movies and i like them uh, i like looking at it as a whole so i like that you use the word serialized anyway, and Ed. and dingus you've brought this up before i mean we're seeing it more and more with franchise movies and like you talk about the marvel universe movies yeah. as feeling like a serial so i i think the blurring of the lines goes both ways and uh, uh ulti- ultimately we all win i believe <laughs> like yeah, yeah, so, it's good content. It just took them a long time to figure out that that would be profitable, right. or to have the technology. Well, but it also took us a long time to figure out that it's okay to talk about both in yeah, yeah. in sort of the same. Sure, part. sure. I think labels and like anything that restricts the conversation, stupid. So ratings, <laughs> labels, like categorizing fiction as this or that, it's fucking idiotic. But something else, Tom said, uh, uh, the guy who wrote co-wrote the Lobster and. Killing Sacred Deer with Yorgos Lanthimos was a guy named Ephthamus Philippeau. And so he didn't re- – this, this is different material. I want to hear you say that name again. That was enjoyable for me. Do it one more time. I don't uh, – Ephthamus Philippeau. <laughs> Philippe? I don't know. I prefer the way you say it with a question mark. How would you guys say it? I like the way you say it with a question mark. Because I know it's wrong. Kelly one, I wouldn't. And I like – it sounds like a fun name. Yeah, I wouldn't say it because that seems, that seems beyond my capability, so I, I just appreciate that you tried it. But go yeah. ahead. So you were saying uh, Yorgos Lanthimos' co-writer. In Lobster and Killing Secretary was Ephthemus Philippe. Right. Wait, no, I want to know what nationality <laughs> it means no is. Break. He's Greek. That was my guess. Well, obviously – okay, so they're both Greek. They're Greek, right. probably. 
So this, so this, so the favorite was like a, obviously a different kettle of fish. Yep. If you yep. And that, and go ahead. you can't really compare it to the first two fairly because it's Deborah Davis and a guy named Tony McNamara. Yeah. And, and I think that's that's something that became increasingly clear to me is this, this, this is not Yorgos Lanthimos's uh, material. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's him, and and, right. and 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 that, by the way, is one of my one of the things I was delighted about with the favorite is. He's not just capable of only doing his own material. I mean, he also did a movie, right. uh, Dogtooth, beforehand uh, with the same co-writer. And he's he so he's not working with this co-writer. He's working with material that is not his usual tone. And he turned in a, a really solid movie. And I was very glad to see how well it turned out, considering this wasn't his territory. Yeah. Right. And I'm curious what drew him to it. But, I mean, the dialogue's so good. I would just assume that that would be like, yeah, this will this will be easy. Right. Like, it'll be an easy... I don't know. And also to show you can do a costume piece. Most of these movies are stuffy and boring, and maybe that's – like this one's not. It's really it's crackly. Well, I – yeah, like I, I certainly had that, that pre – Dangerous liaisons. I certainly had that preconception and that sort of barrier. Like I, I no more wanted to see this than that Mary Queen of Scots movie, and I, I – you know, that, I'm sure <laughs> – I'm sure that I think we made the right call. <laughs> well, I'm sure that movie is good. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe it's good. I, but to me, they were of a piece, and I just didn't appreciate how well written this was. Uh, right. Elizabeth sucks compared to this. Uh, the Golden Age is worse than that. So I have a question for you guys that I'm wondering about, and I'd be curious what you think because I don't I don't know the answer to this, and I've been thinking about it since watching it. Um, did they really love her? I think Rachel did, and Emma definitely did. Is just a power grabber. Dig it. And all this is based on memoirs. I mean, we don't know. I don't know how much of it's fiction. It doesn't matter. Uh, Dingus, would, would you? Dingus? Yeah, would you agree with that? That it was basically that Emma uh, Stone was the the ruthless pretender, and Rachel Weiss was the one who was actually had feelings. Um, I wouldn't necessarily uh, characterize Emma Stone's character as a ruthless pretender so much as a, sur- as a survivor. Um, I think they're both survivors, but I do think that Rachel Ice, her character is, does have more genuine love. And I think that that's shown in that scene at the door, um, where she says, Stepping on a bunny's where she says, this is what love is. And I'm telling you the truth. And this is what happens when you love somebody, you tell them the truth. And then in the scene alone, you know, as opposed to this is just what I'm telling you in that scene alone where she burns the letters rather than do the blackmail that she's threatened. uh, I think I think that that shows that she does love her Um, as much as Rachel Weiss's character can love. But Emma Stone's stepping up buddies. Rachel Weiss wouldn't do that. So I I saw that Emma Stone's just a just surviving and then getting swept up in something that she doesn't understand. I mean, that's, that's the sort of the different, that's no, well, that's That's making her sound pretty passive. Well, no, it's not just that it's, it's uh, swept up is probably too passive a way to put it. Um, but that whole idea of you're, you're, you're in over your head is what I, what, what I'm trying Uh, to say. Well, so the way I would see, she does pretty good. The way I would see yeah. it, and um, and I, I think because I definitely agree. Like that that scene where uh, Rachel Weiss is burning the letters, and then comes like that definitely is not. That's a sign of something other than just political maneuvering. Uh, right. And so that's very clear to me. Um, but I think what's happening here, 
um, is the movie is about them swapping places. And Emma Stone comes from a place of vulnerability uh, and empathy, uh, and she, you know, she doesn't have any pretensions. I, I think of of power or restoring. Like she's, I think, just trying to make a living. Uh, and, and that empathy, like she actually. Uh, you know, she knows from her own hand being hurt that she could also help the queen, and she knows she could maybe get something from it. But I think she's mm. a, generally a good person at this point in the movie, whereas Rachel Weiss is a cruel person. And I think the movie is about them swapping places and Rachel Weiss being brought low to where she becomes empathetic and she has to acknowledge and live with the strength of her feelings and that loss. Whereas Emma Stone becomes inured to a, a cruelty uh, by entering into the – I think the point of the movie is that this world, everyone is petty, mean, vulgar, and venal. And as long as you're a part of this world, you will be the same thing. And the movie yeah, is about the, the movie is about how one woman changes when she's going into the world and concurrently causing another woman to leave that world uh, and be pushed out, uh, I think. So uh, – I'm interested that, that you say that she's cruel because I see the cruelty that you're talking about, like when she chokes the queen up against the the bedpost or whatever. Uh, but I think that more, I, I see it more as a parent who doesn't know the difference between uh, firmness and abusiveness and her trying to control this child. And treating everybody around her as children, but not understanding quite how to be a proper parent. So I understand what you're saying about cruelty, but I think it's motivated out of this weird sense of uh, I need to control the situation for the good of the country because I think she truly does love her country. Um, and also need to control this this beast who is, a ch who is essentially a child. I mean, Queen Anne is essentially a child. And she's needing to control this child who could have her executed at, at a moment. Uh, so um, in within her context, I understand what you're saying as far as cruelty is concerned, but I don't know that um, I don't know that she sees herself as being cruel or takes pleasure from cruelty. I, I, yeah, I mean, I don't. I, it's I, pettiness and meanness are, are, are words that I would be more comfortable with. Cruelty is more to the point when we're seeing Emma Stone do the whole crush thing with the rabbit. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's that's clearly a matter of cruelty. And she's certainly uh, like she's 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 dismissive and she's not like, she's not letting the mechanics of government work the way they're supposed to. She's she's controlling access to the queen. Uh, She's she's being the only one who will manipulate the queen into doing what she wants done, um, right? And yeah, but the, no, that, but the queen can't function as a queen. The queen is because Emma's not as good at her job as Rachel. right. But but also the queen is just too easily swayed, and so Rachel Weiss knows that she can't let Nicholas uh, Holt in there to make his case. She she knows that only she can talk to the queen if she wants her way, Rachel Weiss's way. Uh, all right. Um, so so she's. You know, she's basically it's a power grab the whole time, and she's effectively got a stranglehold on what the monarchy is going to do. Uh, and yeah, you know, it may not be cruelty, and she might do it out of idealistic reasons. Um, so sure, yeah. It, but but at any rate, I do think that, that what Yorgos Lanthimos takes delight, like imagine that the slow mo of the naked guy being pelted with oranges. He takes delight in just showing us how venal and, and petty these people are. Right. Uh, yeah, and I think that's just a lot of what's what's going on. It's American now. <laughs> well, I, 
I found it relatable. Sure. I mean, that's why I brought it. uh, That's one of the reasons I was pleased to bring it up after Tom talked about the oath, because it did feel very of a piece with. I mean, I I since watched the oath, Um, uh, but it it very much felt like a comment. uh, And I don't know if that's on purpose, but it's probably just me putting something on. Well, no, no, everything feels probably like it is. Well, I I would say that I don't know. You don't even necessarily have to comment on the the situation right now with the Trump administration because what's happening now, it's an arbitrary person wielding power with no regard for the rule of law. And that's how monarchies used to work before they were were restricted by constitutions. So it's not that these movies are aping Trump. It's just that Trump, this is what human nature uh, with with no regard for, for empathy or governance or public service. This is what these people put in power act like. Uh, and so I, I, yeah. there is definitely commentary here, but not because necessarily uh, the favorite is about Trump, but because Trump is reverting to the worst abuses of power that monarchies were allowed to do. Uh, right. So, but yeah, I think I – the queen – The duck in the well, I, did, I, I just want to say though, I, I thought uh, Olivia Coleman was really endearing in this and vulnerable – and yeah. both she and Trump are childlike, but there's a very there's a difference in that Trump's childlikeness is 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 cruel and there's 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 malice there and uh, he wouldn't have bunnies and he doesn't care about other organisms. There, it's 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 a it's the cruelty of the kids in the wild bunch that are tormenting the scorpion with the ants. Um, like yeah. whereas Olivia Coleman's childness childish, childishness is a. a Kind of naivete, and it's endearing. Um, and she she has she has issues. She has issues, but she has feelings. Like she she loves these these right. women. Um, it, it it I don't get the sense like that she's just seventeen miscarriages. That's true. exactly, and that that Kelly one like, and and that is one of the the things that I most appreciate about this story, and what sets it apart from something like Wolf Hall or Marie Antoinette is the nature of this story about a monarchy. Being uh, relationships among women, because normally there's a man in the equation. Normally, the possibility of pregnancy is a huge part of the equation. You know, Kelly Wan, you used uh, the word gavel kind here. We don't generally that's not something you normally hear on a podcast. Um, but the fact that these women were in a relationship with each other and that Queen Anne could indulge these these vices without any risk of pregnancy or without anyone worrying about is a hair going to an heir going to be born. Um, it gave it a unique dynamic, I, I think, among other stories about the, the British monarchy. Um, yeah. What does what does that word mean, Gavilkind? It just means that dudes get inherit everything, <laughs> like Gavilkind. Oh. So there's these different uh, ways. Eldest. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it means the the oldest male child gets everything. I, does it just, is it, at any rate, it's, it's an inheritance I think so. thing. It oh, basically right. means that, it's the default on Crusader Kings two. So pretty yeah. cool. Crusader Kings two has these lesbian play <laughs> that's going on behind closed doors, oranges. And that was one of the but, things yeah. I admired about this is it was a story. You know, I talked about we'll, we'll talk about Destroyer next week, but I also talked about with with widows. Um, these are are traditionally. Stories told uh, in, in a male context where, where the man's presence is a driving force, and I'm loving seeing these stories told 
with women in place of men exploring how the stories differ when women are driving the stories. Um, you know, you're normally it's not many female models. Exactly right. You know, I mean, you'll get stuff about Queen Elizabeth and how she's got to hold out in a world of men, uh, and certainly Anne, another virgin. And certainly Anne Boleyn is a compelling character, but that's all about Henry VIII. Um, so the fact that there were no that the men were on the sidelines waiting for these relationships to work out that Nicholas Holt and Lord Mulberry. Marlborough, whatever his name was, that that they were they were on the outside, like they were outside this yeah. power dynamic that involves no men, and I loved that. That was really refreshing. Nicholas Holt's the only one who fits in. Like he doesn't have a sex drive per se because he's just power. Um, but he's you know, he, they they bitch him too. Yeah, no, eventually. right. He's 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 a dupe, pretty more or less. Um, yeah. I'm curious though if she, if Olivia Coleman's character was like, because she didn't want it. I mean, maybe she didn't. She wasn't interested in dudes, but like, if Rachel Weiss hadn't been there, would she have found another lady friend, or felt pressure to marry? Like without Rachel Weiss's guiding hand, I don't know. I mean, I should read up on my historicity. Well, the movie did to me. It sort of painted a, a portrait of of her being unfulfilled. I, I don't, you know, it didn't. It didn't really explore. Didn't like, yeah, was she been a lesbian all her life, or is it just something that happened in her, her later years? Um, but we know that she's been railroaded into all these pregnancies. Uh, like that that little right, bit about the right, seventeen right, miscarriages right. is really poignant. Uh, That'll make you a lesbian, I would think. <laughs> and also, just the guys in this movie would too. Oh, the the stuff that yeah the 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 stuff where Lord Gary, as you called him, is told to put on the wig and the makeup and go seduce yeah. stuff. That's, that was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are you gonna rape me or seduce me? I'm a gentleman. <laughs> oh, rape then. Love it. <laughs> uh, it's so hard to write an opsis for that because the dialogue is already opsisy, but good. And then good later, when good you know writing. she's been rescued. You know, and and lives in the brothel for a while, and is offered like employ, uh, and she goes like, "Go, go find a man with a duck, walking a duck." Yeah, and, yeah. And, I've seen ten gold sovereigns. And she's asked, yeah. you know, were you, were you raped? And she's kind of like, "Well, no." I mean, it, it's no, it's kind of surprised, like, "Yeah, what? Geez, that didn't happen this time." I mean, it's it's rather horrifying the way she answers that, but it's also matter of fact. And the matter of factness, I think, she's is what the makes it horrifying, character. in a way. Yeah, like she would have been, she would have handled it if she had been. Uh, what did you guys think about the way uh, he filmed this, as far as the the fisheye lens things? Yeah, that I love that. What did you that. think about that? Yeah, I, I meant to go watch awesome. the lobster again to see if he plays with that at all in there. I don't uh, recall that he did. Hospital. I don't recall that either. I remember wide shots, but I don't remember. But it seems like a really specific and weird way to do it. Oh. Like, as if you're, like, looking through a, a peephole out of a door, you, you know, like in a hotel, like, to see who's outside in the hallway. Um, it, it's such an odd – it's such an odd choice, and it's in, it's in a couple specific moments, and it's it's not like he's just widening the view. It's, it's clearly a bent fisheye lens. And it's very it's a, it's a very interesting choice, I think. They're a fish bowl. 
Well, there's that too, but I think to me what I think is going on here and, and certainly what it achieved for me that other movies haven't done with the way he would do the wide lenses and even wide to the point of being fisheye at some some times and, and the way he would insist on panning the camera rather than editing to cut over to someone. There's a lot of just the camera swiveling and uh, – right is I, I think it gave you a really solid sense for how big these rooms were. Uh, and it gave it gave the actors a sense of geography, like how far, how close they were. Uh, he just, I, for me, that those fisheye lenses, the wide shots, all of the panning was just a great way to establish the interior of this house and the size of it. Uh, yeah. And I, I... You can drop dishes on the stairs and no one's... It's not going to wake anyone <laughs> up because the bedrooms are so far apart. And to just give a visual, like I, I think Yorgos Lanthimos just lent a... A visual dynamic to that. Like I, I, I don't know if I, if I've seen that before, I didn't realize it, but it, it felt really new and cool, and I enjoyed watching it once I realized. Oh, I, I wonder if that's why he's doing it. Uh, and yet, candlelight. Oh my god! You know what though? That I mean, it's beautiful, but I, once again, what Stanley Kubrick is generations of filmmakers. <laughs> Stanley Kubrick has screwed up. I, I mean, it, all this natural light, so much of it looked like it was shot with natural light or candlelight. But yeah. I, I look at that and I think, oh, okay, so he, he saw Barry Lyndon when he was a young filmmaker. <laughs> what do you mean? It's candlelight. I know. You have I to know. have that. Like Driftwood. I you know. know. Or but, Deadwood, I mean. Uh, yeah, I, fair enough. But I, I just – Wait, what are you saying? What's your – wait, articulate that point because I think it's dumb. Well, it, it, <laughs> uh, it's – you're saying they should have they should fake the candelabras? No, it's just so obviously natural lighting, um, and, and it's, it's yeah. beautiful. But I think that people do it because Stanley Kubrick did it and been Barry Lyndon. Maybe, but you still want to. I'm not saying yeah, I'm, I'm. I don't know. What and that and the thing is, like, it, it's great. Like Barry Lyndon, I think the, the lighting is beautiful. I don't like Barry Lyndon at all, but the lighting in that movie is beautiful. I admire that you know he had special lenses so that he could do that. Uh, but people, I, I think that Yorgos Lanthimos didn't. I don't know. I just feel like people only do it because Barry Lyndon did it. Uh, I like that it looks like is how those places looked by candlelight. So yeah, fair enough. To fair understanding the, the historicity, Kelly Wand. Yeah, sure. Historicity. I, I haven't yeah. seen. Uh, I I'm loath to admit this, but I haven't seen McCabe and Mrs. Miller. But isn't that does that do the same thing? Because I've heard that movie talked about as really well, being that, really dark. It had issues with the. There was like a problem, like a technical issue that they only discovered too late, and that's why it looks darker than it should. Like it's apparently a mistake and not a stylistic choice. Well, uh, uh, McCabe and Mrs. Know. Miller, you're saying? Yeah, McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Is that in candlelight um, too, or is that is that just? I remember just being mostly outside. I don't know. Yeah, there's just like the. So I, I think thing is that I, the reason I would say it's probably not in candlelight is there's so much of a to do made about the specific technology that Stanley Kubrick had to use so that he could shoot the candlelight scenes in Barry Lyndon. And I always hear about it spoken. I always hear about it in reference to Barry Lyndon and not McCabe and Mrs. Miller, which predated that movie. So I'm guessing in McCabe and Mrs. Miller, it wasn't all strictly natural light. And to be fair, this probably, uh, I doubt that, uh, the favorite was all natural light either. It just is made to look like that. Oh, uh, okay. You know, it's beautiful. It's just me. I love it, and it fits the yes, theme yes. of the movie. And there's shots of it where it would suck without it, like the shot where Emma opens her eyes in bed with Olivia Coleman and watches as Rachel Weiss recedes. It's great. No, you're right. You're right. And I Kelly just, wanted partly. Uh, uh, go ahead, Dingus. Yeah. No, go ahead. 
Well, I just want I it's a gorgeous movie and I didn't get to see it in theaters. I saw a SAG screener copy of it and the whole time I was thinking, man, I bet this looked awesome in theaters. <laughs> like, it really did, yeah. 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 That that moment where uh Emma Stone is wheeling the queen like to her rooms and that that's that's the one of the fisheye lens moments I'm thinking of where it looks like the you're you're seeing and and this is to your point Tom of of how the fisheye lens gives us a sense of how how much space there is in this castle in this house in this yeah it, it, that it looks like it as she's wheeling her down this long runner toward her room uh, you get to see this whole the the whole shot like like watching an, an entire uh, length of a roller coaster or something that that goes all the way around you can see all the way around the corner you don't have to pan at all you just see the the actual the character movement is the pan of the of the of the shot uh, and the lens doesn't have to move and that's but it's disorienting in a way as a moviegoer because you expect the camera or the editing to move in a certain way. And this looks right. more like, uh, a, a, like a weird, um, uh, beastie boys video or something. It's, it just, <laughs> it has, it has a weird feel to it. And it, and it certainly sets you on edge in a certain way. And that shot where all the servants are sleeping together in the same bedroom. She, she's trying to get some reading. Environment. Uh, I have a, Come on, you can't have natural life of that. I have a question for you, for you guys. What what is gout? It's a foot thing. They still have a people. I think right. it's a. Although I thought it was just feet. I didn't know it was. Well, and it's it's apparently painful. Like why? What? What's? Yeah. So it's just your. That's all I know about get, it. It's a painful foot or leg thing. Okay. <laughs> That's all I know. I think it's a joint. Uh, it's it's a, a joint disorder. It's kind of uh, related to ar- to arthritis. Um, uh, but it's it's. Uh, I, I remember my my grandfather on my dad's side having to deal with that a lot, and like his his joints really? would swell. Um, so it's like it's Ugh. like an accumulation of that? of fluid in the joints. A, a number of things can cause it. It can be just genetic. Okay. Uh, it can. Are it can be related to like problems with your bones and whatnot, but. But mainly, it's a joint disorder that causes fluid to accumulate in certain parts of your body. As far as I understand, hey, look at us now. We're going to do our medical podcast. Let's start that. Yeah. Well, you always know the answers. You like the well, I pretend. You're the doctor McCoy. I pretend like I know the answers. Um, I would hate to be. This is even stupider than that. I hate to be a footman in that era. I just have to stand by a fucking. <laughs> They get yelled at by the queen. Like getting yelled at by the queen is the only excitement you're gonna have. Like she, you want it to happen because you're so fucking bored. Like at least she's yelling at me. How dare you? Stop looking at me. Look that at was me. adorable. Yeah, yeah. She's just yeah. such a and they're child super young. right there. She's just such a little child. And they're li- and they're children too. There's like children. That's something that new movies have been doing better. Like showing how young you get into these stupid lives. Like being like a 14 year old attendant or something. Right. Terrible. Like, because you're only gonna live to thirty. Like little stranger. Oh God, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Try to yeah. not. You're not. That's your life. Then you yeah, die. Yeah, none of them are gonna make it to sixty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're looking forward to death. Oh, finally get some time off. Because I feel that way now. Like I'm a, like my life's cushy now, and I I'm I'm like oh God, death sounds so great. <laughs> like sounds like such a such a load off, 
And it's like... To stand by a door all day? Ew. And those are the rich people. I don't know, the peasants are out in the fields getting shit thrown on them. Like... I'd rather live with the maids. Well, I, I did appreciate how <laughs> even the maids were, were shown as being cruel and petty to each other. Oh, yeah, no, I'm sure. Like, the, the, yeah, like everyone yeah, – Casually cruel. It, it was like a first day at school kind of thing. Like, oh, they all hate it. The raper in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, the, they all The whole, like, her. getting you to dip your hand in a bucket of lye. Like, yeah. oh, my God. That's a little fun, little prank. Right. That, you know, that's the new girl. We all do it. But look who's pranking you, the fat – giggly little bitch like that's she's the she's the kid, queen of the schoolyard is that character yeah like that's who you well that that bit when, you're when, she, when, when uh, emma stone gets brought in for the six of the birch and the woman's like what are you doing yeah. and you're like oh she's going to intercede on her behalf she's, but instead she's like what are you doing no take her out in the barn not in my kitchen like she, yeah don't she knows, rape her in the kitchen she knows full well what's going to go on she just doesn't want it to interfere with her kitchen functioning right <laughs> right right love it love yeah. that love it it's so true <laughs> That's why this movie's great, is it really reminds you. Here we are. This is humanity. What's, Keep protecting What's the it. deal? <laughs> oh, go ahead, Dingus. I just gasped when she did when she had her hand in the lie and then she ran over to the water because I couldn't help but think of the lie in Fight Club. Fight Club. Yeah. yeah, I did too. I thought of that too. Kind of ironic because it was like all dudes. And this is like this is the girl version of Fight Club. <laughs> yeah. Sort of. Uh, what do you guys make of the all the stuff with the ducks and the rabbits? Love it. That's all they had. They didn't have computers, Tom. They had to do <laughs> lobsters, rabbits. They had to, animals were their doom and uh, battlefield. Five <laughs> cult set. That's all they had. But I also like that line about whist. Like no one bets on whist. Like they have that. They have that down to a T. Like if you lose your money at whist, you're a fucking loser. Like at least lose it duck racing. Uh, but yeah, no. I it made it seem kind of fun. Like you go, I get. I get that part of it. Like, they're that bored. But I remember thinking during Dangerous Liaisons, like, this is why the revolution happened, because they were playing these stupid games with each other. And the, and so I thought, oh, this is like France, but it was like the English. They didn't even have a revolution. Ooh, we're Dangerous Liaisons. I didn't even think of that. I love I love the line, oh, cruelty yeah. has a far nobler ring, when they're talking about their favorite yeah. words. I have a thing for the week. I also really love that shot where... Um, Emma is pointing the gun, and it's shot in a, at an angle, so it looks like she's pointing the gun right at Rachel's face. She's holding the rifle out. I love that shot. It's great. That was great, too, for how that's, a, that's a, a scene you normally have with dudes and, and clay pigeons. Right. And I was like, yeah, the women give the – you know, the women's go to blow off some steam. The women go blow off steam by shooting guns. I was like, yeah, cool. Yeah. Good for them. <laughs> I, I, and their dialogue to each other. I do kind of like the way that that scene is edited uh, where um, – and Kelly made a joke about this, like the soundtrack of Rachel Weisz shooting things. But really, it's the it's the next scene. It's her shooting. Yeah, with the queen. Yeah. Uh, but I, I I love the way that that's kind of layered, and I also love yeah. the way that Rachel Weisz's character is dressed, sort of in kind of dudish clothes right. in a right. way. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That she's just a, she's just as badass in certain ways. Yeah, when she comes in ap- into the music concert and just starts eating pudding because she hasn't eaten in three days, and, and she's scared. Yeah, everybody leaves. Everybody leaves. Yeah, <laughs> so that was good. awesome. Uh, this movie's characters, I, I bummed it's not a series, although I think it would jump the shark like so, quickly because it ends on a certain So the first time I saw this, I saw this with two other people, and we all kind of felt the same way. Um, 
and this is again to your question about like how how does it work you know how does it work going forward Kelly I think is what you asked or something like that um, we all left feeling like uh, I don't think there's any characters that are very likable in this it's hard it was <laughs> doesn't bother me it was hard to like it um, but it. It, it, the movie because the characters aren't likable because to me well, I know that when I when I mentioned this to you guys uh, as having seen this Tom was very much like well, I got excited that doesn't bother me or yeah. Kelly so haha ha, ha, no. ha on you in fact if anything the fact that you're saying that is like oh I'm gonna love this yeah. movie it's well be great the character's gonna be awesome it works really well the second time around even because you see the nuances within the characters it's not just that they're they're like likable or not likable it's not it's 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 more of a liquor scale i mean there's 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 more of a there's more of a spectrum here and there are different reasons why you like them and don't like them and uh i certainly appreciated the and they change they change over time and you can certainly appreciate from a filmmaking standpoint the the work the actors are doing because the actors are doing amazing work but my first impression upon leaving the theater and walking out into the today was like i don't i didn't like anybody in this um and it's hard to like the movie which i which i think is a childish reaction um no it's your you know you you're allowed that bring your baggage so dingus you didn't because i thought i i really thought olivia coleman's queen anne was super sympathetic yeah like you didn't you didn't find her likable uh well because of what's of going on by far. politically, and because of her, the way she's just such a, a a child in charge of so much importance that who just can't handle it, mm-hmm. who who just like uh, right. my my response to this moment where I can't make a decision is to pretend to faint. Uh, I'm going to scream at this little boy who's standing outside my. Uh, my chamber and just make him feel terrible because I feel terrible. And uh, my, my main, um, my main source of, uh, or the main, uh, the main way I'm going to direct my affection is to all of these little rabbits. Um, I think, I think that I'm layering too much on, um, the person who's running our country who doesn't seem to care about it. And she doesn't seem to understand the realities of what you have to do to pay to have a war. And I resent those things. So I think that that was kind of my first reaction. I think it's probably unfair. Um, and I she think, has affection for bunnies. Uh, I think you're, you're right, Tom, in that she seems – I would more say that she seems more pathetic than sympathetic. Um and I feel for her in that way, but it, it's not like she doesn't have. It's not like she just. I, I I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know the history. I don't know how Queen Al, Queen Anne found herself there, but somebody else should be running that country. Well, I don't. I mean, I don't know the history either. But I think the internal fiction of this movie uh, was it, it's showing you that a monarchy is really a bubble. That she has yeah. no concept of the real world, and she's not. Right. She's not going to have any concept of the real world if Rachel Weiss won't let Nicholas Holt tell her these things. And when uh, she hears from Nicholas Holt, you know about the revolt like that, she responds to that. She doesn't want those things happen. I, I think. Well, I, 
I, I just felt like the movie was instead of showing her as as pathetic and venal and and someone who's just indulging her prurient appetites, it, it just showed her as someone who didn't understand anything beyond the bubble in which she was probably raised. Uh, the the speech about the seventeen miscarriages was for me a huge turning point in terms of how I perceived her, um, because you look at her as someone who's just been used up by the the monarchy by the. Uh. By, didn't want the job. She exactly. Want, she she's the only one who doesn't exactly. want the power. She just um, stuck there. So, so Dick, I, I get what you're saying that she's not likable and that she's not rising to the occasion as a leader, but I don't think she would know how. And I, I, I think Olivia Colman just plays it with such yeah. a childlike sense of of wonderment. And and when she when she gets petulant, like she doesn't throw a temper tantrum necessarily. Like she screams at the footman, but she tends to sulk more than be abusive. I think. Right. And I, I just found that just as a really endearing and the whole thing with the rabbits it was like a little girl with her dolls um so so i i get what you're saying in that yeah this person should not be running the country but but dingus that's what happened a monarchy is it basically it's a lottery it's, crap yeah exactly it's founded on the premise that you don't run the country based on whether you're qualified like that right there right. is the fundamental underpinning of a monarchy is that whether you're qualified has nothing to do with it um as opposed to America, where we vote in <laughs> reality TV, and the and the difference, and Hitler was also voted. The in. difference between the way um, when she asks uh, the Rachel Weisz character to let out the little ones and to show them affection, and Rachel Weisz is like, "No, I'm not going to do that. That's ridiculous. I'm not going to play with your bunnies," and and how Emma Stone's character reacts to them, and and the way Olivia Coleman's face lights up yeah. when she's like, oh, he likes you. Uh, and and they, they can bond over this moment. I mean, that's a huge thing, and it's very childlike. And you're uh, – at first I was like, wonderment, really? Childlike wonderment? When you just said that uh, didn't make sense to me. But then I remember her, her – the way her face lit up when Emma Stone started letting the – rabbits out and started engaging her on this particular point that was so important to her for so many different reasons. Um, so I think that's that's well put. I'm just talking about my initial reaction to sure, sure. Why, why is this country and being they, run this way and being run into the ground in this way. If someone likes animals, they're instantly sympathetic. <laughs> that implies like a certain – and I mean like – and for her, it was more like they're – the only creatures that I know that I exist around that aren't going to try and screw me over, like like I know their their love is unconditional. So Kelly, one, you were certainly into Lord Marlboro as well with his love for his duck. Mm, no, that's like dog fighting. They're going to eat that. Fucking <laughs> no, they're duck not. He's no, he stops he's stroking the duck like he's petting it. Come on, he's not going to eat that duck. That's his. <laughs> that's his money. So no. So the scene I seventeen miscarriages and and because that's why I, I mean I don't know I find animals soothing for that reason they don't talk they don't gibber at me. <laughs> what I loved about the oh well, actually one of them does I don't like that one but the most of them, <laughs> yes continue. Uh, what, what I loved about the rabbit scenes was just uh, the chaos of having all those rabbits running yeah. around when people are just very yeah. still and talking and and it reminded me of the the way that the dog interacts and in, is established. And develops in a little stranger, where everybody is super stodgy, and very, and then the dog starts getting a little out of control, and like 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 the dog is running through the shot with the girl chasing after her, uh, like the way animals 
don't understand how a monarchy works and how British stuffy people <laughs> yeah. are supposed to interact with each other. So those scenes of them sitting there and those rabbits just tearing around like that. The visual of that is just is, is just precious to me is, is is these animals don't understand anything they don't know what's going on they're not going to be still they're just like running around and they're cute and they're fluffy and they're scampering um and it reminded me of and it's i don't think there's any thematic similarity here but certainly the imagery uh the finale of a of a Werner herzog movie called the guerra wrath of god um where this conquistador yeah. Goes into the Amazon and goes mad, and in the end, he's on a raft with just these monkeys running all around the raft and jumping up and down. <laughs> and it, and it, it's just in a way, it's kind of like I think Herzog there was it was more of a hey, nature's always going to triumph. Uh, Psychotic, right? Exactly. He'll always yeah. be a crazy man, and there's the monkeys are going to prevail. And so, but here I just think it was, it, yeah, I don't. It was just kind of. But then that last image is kind of Agira. Well, exactly, Kelly Wan, and that's that's why. Yeah. So what do you guys? Because Kelly Wan, I'm kind of like you. Is that I. I think I understood the last 30 minutes. It was the last maybe 15 seconds. Like the shot of of Olivia Coleman and then bleeding into the shot of Emma Stone and then all of the rabbits yeah. all going together. Like is the idea that they're just I, – I, I don't know what was going on. All I can I – I thought it was strange because it was right after we feel bad for the rabbit because right. Emma Stone's pressing it. So I guess the implication is that Emma Stone's sick of the rabbits. And that's why she was doing that, partly maybe. And now she's picturing a life of just more and more rabbits rubbing Queen's ah. legs, and she's bummed. And it's like a, it's in we're in Emma Stone's head. I like that because it's showing her face. Well, yeah, I, but I no, think it, that... it shows Olivia's face too, doesn't it? So then, well, she's the one that she's going to have to live subservient to this woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Right, but she so has. A, but Olivia has a really weird expression. That's the whole. That's a different that. game. We're playing two different games, and you've actually lost the game because I let you win to Olivia. I, no. Yeah, you have to be with the no, rabbits. No, Ra- Rachel. Rachel Weiss is like, like I. Ah, uh-huh, you have to be with the rabbits. I let so. you win, but win. you lose. Um, she did the letter win, really. I don't know. Yeah, I guess she did. She didn't do the letter, but the letters wasn't gonna work. The letters gambit failed. She got she got told to give her key back before she burned the letters. Or at least. Well, but the I mean, she so, had to tell the queen after that. I, All right, I'm gonna burn the letters. I do but. feel like there was a character. Uh, turning point here where she did decide to burn the letters. I mean, I think the internal fiction of the movie was yeah, yeah. that if she had publicized the letters, uh, it would have been disastrous, which I, I kind of would be surprised at, but but I I, I think that's... It's an empty bluff. Right, well, I think that's what the movie, like, it, that's what the movie would have us think, is that the letters would have brought the Queen down, and that Rachel Weiss relented, uh, and it, it, her character made a, a decision and a choice there. Um and Olivia hated it, but she missed her like crazy. Yeah. And apparently that was uh, – our our theories on Queen Anne's reign are based partly on the Rachel Weiss's character's memoirs, which was unflattering too. Ah. Uh-huh. Supposedly. And they actually did break up for – but for unclear reasons. And I don't know – there's not much material on Abigail. But I don't have any faith that, that there's such a thing as bringing the queen down any more than – uh, you know, somebody saying the truth about what's going on with our government bringing the president down. It's just, yeah, whatever. Uh, you got to have meetings with uh, the I mean, whole... she's the queen. I mean, yeah, we might find out she uh, has a, affairs with women or uh, whatever. What is anybody going to do about it? 
I mean, the speed of information in that time in particular, uh, what's actually going to be the upshot? It's just going to be a hit to the reputation. It's not going to bring anybody down. It, I mean, right, but I think that's you don't get the, to impeach a queen. But I think that's what the inter- – I mean, that, in order to make Rachel Weisz's decision – Matter. I think that's what the movie's internal fiction was trying to show us. Right. Is that? Is that? That's all we have to go on. Yeah. I mean, because that's what I'm saying. Because I don't oh. think. I, I imagine everybody knew. Not everybody, but certainly everybody in the castle knew that she was gay. I, I imagine there were rumors. And you're right. What are you going to do? You can't impeach a queen. But I think the movie wanted us to believe that Rachel Weisz could have used those letters as a as a, an effective to make her life as an effective tool, and she decided not to because right. she had genuine feeling, and that's where. She's officially swapping places with the newly cruel Emma Stone character. Oh. And Olivia was appalled that she would resort right. to that, even as a fake bluff. Right. Like, really? You'd even say that? But then I really, there's another shot I really like where uh, after she threatens her, she jumps on the bed and falls off. And Olivia is trying not to laugh. Goes, Good night, Rachel. <laughs> and it's like, was that... Was that um, like a blooper that kept like the diehard jump that they thought was kind of good? Because it's weird. Because Olivia Colman's trying not to laugh at that scene, and that seemed kind of like it's such a weird pratfall on Rachel's part. It just seemed it's like the dance thing where I just go, I, I really want to read the script of this and see if they wrote, uh, see if uh, she wrote right. like um, Deborah Davis like wrote in like they do a weird dance and one of them is playing Twister with with their hands, the other one's playing charades. It looks like that. I, I doubt it. I mean, I, I'm guessing that that's not part of the shooting script. That it was very much that was Yorgos Lanthimos' story. Not actors. Right. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's. I wish there had been more touches like that. Um, but yeah, that that yeah. felt very, very Yorgos Lanthimos. It's a dense movie. Like, there's just so much to get to. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, how twenty years? How long was this movie? Did this years. come in at two hours? Like, I, I didn't even get just under two hours. Okay. The last half hour is the slow one. The the fr- I noticed what I rewatched it. Well, it was like the first I, 90 minutes. Or the third half hour is like everything happens. Like, I I, I mean I, I enjoyed watching the characters in their new in their new roles. Like I uh, yeah mm-hmm. I I yeah. I gotta say uh, Rachel Weiss's little face mask eye patch thing that was hot. Like that I was agree. awesome. Yeah. Running around yeah, with a yeah, black yeah. a black lace mask eye patch cool. That yeah, was, she, <laughs> yeah, that was a good scar mod. I really right. like that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, and I like too how the scar looked like a cruel fish hook. Like that was a great touch. Uh, yeah. Having yeah. that, you should see the other guy. And I like. That's I like how she just sort of takes it in stride. She's like, "Yeah, yeah this happened." Yeah. Now oh, moving no, on. Doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I really, uh, she's not even, I really liked her her attitude as far as I'm concerned, and it make and it made me in that moment when she showed up with that that. That face mask that you're talking about, Tom, will think more about the title of the movie uh, and what it meant. Uh, I just I just really loved that, and I loved how hot it looked. I yeah. mean, that's weird, but I loved how hot that looked. Yeah. And I love how incidental the, the men are as far as, uh, yeah, as, far yeah. as sex is concerned in this movie. Yeah, it's great. That's how she gets him, by doing that shit. <laughs> I would, too. I would totally relate to that character. Like, yep. Alright. Hand job, wedding night, fine. It's still you. It reminded me of Animal House. It reminded me of like the incidental hand job at Animal House like that's going on. Yeah. With Dietermeyer. Yeah. You're right. That is a good that is a very good poll, Dingus. I'm very impressed. Well, well even good poll. You have Animal House on your mind during favorite. Nice. 
even to the the rough and tumble like love scene that that she has with Lord Gary, like that that was yeah. really <laughs> weird, and it just kind of showed how she how these women were dominating these, these, this world of men, even on their own terms with war and case by and case. tackling. Yeah. Uh, like that was just that was such an odd scene. Um, yeah. Well, if you're that's the thing. There'd be the Emma Stone made, but the fat kid probably wouldn't get away with it. <laughs> what are you talking about? She would have like 200 pounds on that guy. <laughs> yeah, I know, but they wouldn't. He wouldn't want her to that scene. Like he had to have Emma Stone made. Like he was interested in Weiss or anyone or the Queen. That was interesting. Because no one's trying. To, I, I guess, like you said, they knew she was gay. But is she really gay, or is she just empty inside? Uh, Kelly Wan, is that part of like a the history? Like, is there any official historical reference to her as like yeah, a lesbian a, queen, or she just had an affair with this uh, one woman? Okay. I think they fictional. Like that's what. The, that's, right. There's your Yorgos Lanthimos you want. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because she kind of did remind me. Remember when uh, Nicole Kidman preps for sex in Killing of a Sacred Deer? By pretending she's in, she's under anesthesia and lay, it lays back on a bed naked. What reminds you of that? Because that, that, you were just making me recall that very disturbing sequence. What reminded you of that? I can't remember now. <laughs> <laughs> Disregard. Uh, what, yeah, what, remember that? That's my point. Remember Nicole Kidman? So excited about Destroyer tonight. Sorry. What were All right, you, well, Kelly Wan, why don't you tell the listeners then, what are we going to talk about next week? Oh, Dingus, real quick, did anyone oh, write in? Uh, I know we did, – did anyone have anything to say about uh, The Favorite? Is anything lame about The Favorite besides possibly the bunny? Uh, no, we had no uh, nobody write in this week. Okay. I think they probably just got all tired from putting in their top ten lists. And sure. Moved on. Sure. Well, or they saw The Favorite too long ago to give a shit. Well, Kelly Wan, yeah. tell us what we're seeing next week. Destroyer with Nicole Kidman. And if you have thoughts on soup, send your thoughts on soup in movies to. You got it. Quarter to three. No, I forgot it. Three X three. Q T three X three. Three X three. Three X three at quarter to three dot com with soups in your subject line, so we don't get confused. Or if you have thoughts on Destroyer. Send them to Destroyer. Nope. Nope. 3x3. 3x3 at quarter to 3, the same one? Yeah, but that, that's Jesus, why that's, that's why they needed to put it in the title, yeah. which you just already reminded them. So good so, work. When you say All right, now I understand our system after 10 years. When you say soups, cool. do you mean supervisors? You know what? I happen to like <laughs> Do you mean that's Do you important. mean DC superheroes? <laughs> Baxter Building? Fantastic Four. Uh, yeah, you know what? Put whatever you want on your list. I'll still have to read it. It's anarchy. It's the French Revolution of three by threes. Yeah, I don't care. If you're gonna put Trump in the White House, just write me whatever you want. Like, obviously, you guys are gonna do what you're gonna do. So if you see Destroyer, get, it doesn't matter what I think. If you see Destroyer, get us yeah. your comments by uh, January twentieth, midnight Pacific, uh, and see it. It's my Fourth is one of my favorite movies of last year. So uh, we'll talk about that next week and get your soup picks in by January 27th, midnight Pacific. Uh, oh, no, wait. Are we – no, sorry, by February 3rd, right? That's when we're going to do the 3 by 3 Is it? What's up with the lottery? 
Oh, we'll also do right, right. We'll also be announcing that soon, right? Yeah, Lots of stuff so. coming up. Destroyer, soup, and uh, you get to make us watch whatever you want. So stay tuned. We'll tell you about more of that. Last year it was Twelve Monkeys. I'm so. I'm Tom Chick, and I've been here with Christian Molkowski. It's Christian Murawski and Kelly Wand. Hey, Dingus in Battlefield Five, I unlocked a thing that makes my ribby robble look like it's covered in mold. Look like a badger. Dingus, do my legs. Come, let me love you. Let me give my life to you. Let me drown in your laughter. Let me die in your arms. Let me lay down beside you. Let me always be with you. Come, let me love. That's the thing. It's it's too late in civilization for award shows. I prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Aurigai 6? Is that a question, Yes, sir? Walter, that's a question. That is correct. And Queen Anne is better which than Trump. Or I be your favorite? Which one would be your favorite? Which one of us is the Emma Stone and which is the Rachel White? <laughs> Oh, God. Well, I do like when Dingus puts his tongue in his mouth. <laughs> oh, God. See, Tom. Oh, Dingus. But I wasn't trying to make it for you. <laughs> Such a softball. Um, you're nicer to the rabbits. <laughs>